yeah, like life is way too short to be in a to be in a place that you're not truly fulfilled or happy for a long enough time. That's mm -hmm. not saying avoid hard work and doing stuff that um, that's not avoiding hard work. And and there might be times that you you're miserable for months. But if it's if there's too much time that goes by, then like you need to change something. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Here we go. AJ, my man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing excellent. 8 a.m. on a Monday. Yeah, that's when you're ready to go. That, 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 I, <laughs> I took my on it this morning. Oh, great. Awesome. Alpha brain. Alpha brain. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I'm uh, grateful, so grateful you're here. We've known each other for what? Since we were like 15, six, 16, 16 years? years? Yeah. Wow. Where at? Uh, AJ wrestled at Highland Park High School. Oh, yeah. Okay. I went to SMU, so. Oh, amazing. Yeah. What were you, the Scott Scotsman? Yeah, the Scots. The Scots. Okay, and they were they were the prolific, iconic, Texas wrestling team, um, and then we were up and coming, and we were Bishop Lynch, and so we were. Would you say we were rivals? Um, not not necessarily because really, we were private actually, school, you were public school. Yeah, but we we are. Uh... I think the majority of your team and the majority of our team were on the national team together. Yeah. So, so the, every, every summer, um, and even during the school year, we would, yep. we would train together cause we we're in the same town. Yep. And then we would take a bus from, uh, oh, Dallas, gosh. Texas to Fargo, North Dakota. Every oh summer. man. What were those? Those were like more than 12 hour drives. Uh, you know, it was like, yeah, it was like it was three like, days and yeah. just a bunch of smelly high school wrestlers being, being crazy. Yeah. And we would, we would, uh, wrestle first at the university of north texas right yep. for camp yep and getting getting ready getting acclimated all the state champions and second third and state and we were doing freestyle and greco so mm -hmm. a bunch of like takedowns and then greco roman throws and what'd you like better freestyle or greco uh probably freestyle i, th I think and uh i think the majority of your listeners know but like greco the, the really interesting thing is you don't touch the other person's legs ever yeah. so, so it's all 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 um upper body like throws and uh what, what do you think's more technical oh i think i think they're both really technical in their own ways i think freestyle has more um because you can do all the throws in greco but it's leg attacks also totally but I think when you when you take the legs away, now you have to become much more technical at the throws. Totally. And so that's what I loved um, was Greco throws. But Chip, Chip, AJ's brother, and him were just two of the best best wrestlers in it's state. Pretty, I, I, it, I wouldn't go that I'm far. just curious how you got even involved with it because it's pretty progressive for Texas. For sure. Yes. Uh, so my my dad wrestled at Columbia, and then um, growing up, 
he, he, I don't know. We were wrestling when we were like, what, five, six years old. The li little kids wrestling is like the cutest, most odd thing with like <laughs> kids, kids throwing, uh, other, other kids around. And so we, we wrestled 15 years. Um, yeah, probably 15 years growing up. Um, my brother is two years older and he went to Cal Poly to wrestle, which is a division one, um, school in central California. And then I, uh, went to Cal Poly to wrestle as well. Um, and, and yeah, we had, we had an absolute blast there. Would you say that that's the best, uh, in California wrestling? It's one of them. Uh, it's, it's one of them. I like Stanford's typically good. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I, I haven't even talked about wrestling in, in 10 years. I, I stopped, yeah. I think in 2008, uh, to focus on your business. Yeah. Uh, business school. Actually, I didn't really focus on school, mainly my business, which I'm <laughs> sure we'll cover. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? What was one of your favorite high school wrestling memories? Well, uh, I would, I would say, um, so we, we won the state championship. I, I want to say twice. I think I think we won it once when my brother was captain. We won it when I was captain. We had two other captains that were that were excellent. Um, I think yeah, winning winning the state. Was it Hobart? Uh, Hobart Keegan. You remember? Yeah, Keegan Mueller. Yeah. Wow. Um, Fred Rousey. Yep. Uh, Drew Newman. Um, just just all great guys. Like and we're when we're and I'm sure you're good buddies with your guys that you grew up mm -hmm. uh, wrestling with. Um, it's it's really cool to see how everyone's like lives went away from the sport and now everyone's for the most part, like young, young professionals, uh, either running their own businesses or, um, or just like scaling personally, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about wrestlers is I think they become good businessmen and entrepreneurs, um, in Oklahoma, at least when I was living there, it seemed like everyone went into medical sales, but started their own company from OU or OSU. And then there's a guy named Chad Richardson yep. who, uh, wrestled supports wrestling big time at UCO and started Paycom and is like a billionaire now and uh an amazing like philanthropist also but what do you think you learned from wrestling that has translated to life or business to where i mean you have to have a hard work ethic and and be willing to overcome whenever you're facing adversity but what do you see yeah i mean definitely commitment um i was i was talking to um someone yesterday about this uh I mean, cutting weight is just the most, like, you really have I'm to commit so to that. I'm so glad I never did that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I, I, would, I would walk around weighing, call it like 161, and then I'd have to wrestle 145 pounds every every week or every other week. Um, so like- So for the listeners, you're lo losing nearly 20 pounds every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah like 15 to 20 pounds. And it, um, and it was like, you'd stop, you'd start to stop eating about four days before, you stop drinking water like two and two to three days before. Um and then, and then how it works is you, you weigh in. So I was wrestling 145. Um, you weigh in at, uh, at 8 AM and then you have a, what an hour, it was, was it an hour mm -hmm. or two hours to rehydrate? Mm -hmm. And so everyone gains like 12 pounds back before their first <laughs> match within two hours. Um, it was, it was just a wild time, but I would, I would say, um, the cool thing about like wrestling or MMA, uh, is it's, you're on a team, but it's only you, like you mm -hmm. control your destiny com completely. Um, and so you, it, it's this, this great mix of like, and it's an amazing team sport, but then you're responsible for, um, like it's on your shoulders if, uh, for how you perform, like you can only blame yourself. Um, yeah. And it, so I, I would say it, it like, I would say growing up in that, um, community is, is it gave you a lot of sense of ownership. Like you, you own your, your outcome, 
Um, and just as in business, like luck plays a huge role in it. Um, but like training and, and just being, um, it's, it's a mental game. Yeah. Being prepared for sure for when the opportunity comes. I love that because, you know, in wrestling, I think I was drawn to the sport because I had played so many team sports, baseball, soccer, basketball, football. Um, and my parents put me in every sport there was, I played tennis and horseback riding and I mean like uh calf roping and barrel racing and are, are you do you can you still I, handle, I, I, handle a rope I could well? probably still handle a rope um at least if it, I don't know on a, a, against a, a calf but at least uh a, a horse head or sorry a calf head inside of a bale of hay I, that, could, that, I could wait that's awesome that. yeah so I grew up going to the rodeos all the time. My mom was a two-time national champion in, in barrel racing oh that's, so that's amazing she was a stud my my uncle was like a several time world champion. And so I came from that, but whenever my dad was, he, he was pretty hard to deal with when it came to team sports. There was times that he got thrown out of games for arguing with coaches or refs and, or other parents. And I could come off the football field and we won the game. But if I was off sides once, that's what I'm going to hear about on, on, on the drive home. So I chose wrestling because he knew nothing about it. And I got into it late at 15 and, but I was with two Olympic gold medalists. So I got, got good quick. Cause I learned the foundations from, from the best. But I think that when I was on the mats, it, it was all up to you. There was no blaming of somebody else, you know, the quarterback blaming the lineman or, totally. or somebody that missed a block or a tackle. And I love that. And, and being a heavyweight, one of my, my memories was, one of the worst memories, especially on Team Texas when I wasn't that good, and we were doing duels, and it would come down to the heavyweight matches. Oh, and it always would. Yeah, always would. So I lost two or three that were real important. And you remember this? Like, do you remember oh, yeah. the matches clearly? Yeah. Like, I mean, I was set up to where I had to go out there and pin the guy from Nebraska or <laughs> or Oklahoma or something like that. Like, I can't just beat them on points. Totally. I have to, to own them. But I think it was good. Uh, it was a pressure cooker situation to where for Bishop Lynch and, and, and team Texas junior and senior year, uh, I never lost one of the matches that came down to me. And if they said, you have to tech follow them, I'd go out there and tech follow them. If it, you have to pin them, I'd go out there and pin them. You have to beat up. You have to tech follow them without him scoring a single point. Uh, I would make sure that, that I went out there and did that. So I enjoyed that to where then it is on me, but now that now I know the team can count on me. You totally. tell me what to do, I'll go out there and do it. So Wait, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but yeah, going into business, you and you and Chip became entrepreneurs early. How old were you? Um, right right when we went to uh probably 2006, so call it 18. So so Chip's Chip's my older brother. Um, we were at Cal Poly together. He um was a wine and viticulture major, which I going to um, college, I had no idea that you could major in, in winemaking. Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) And, um, still didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And so this, uh, chip linked up, he he was working at a winery and he linked up with a, um, former Navy seal that, uh, made a ton of money because he invented the underwater maps so that like the seals could, uh, if you remember, um, the maps that were laminated and folded in your glove box growing up. So he had the patent to that. Um, and so, and that was, 
Um, so he made a good amount of money and he said, Hey, if you guys, um, plant the wine, if, if you guys plant the vines, uh, make the wine, I'll fund everything. And, but you guys can keep 80% of the grapes and he'll take 20% of it. And so, um, and so we would trick our friends. We'd be like, Hey, we're having a party on this winery. You guys should, uh, you guys should come up. And they would, uh, our friends would come up and they, uh, we would have a keg and then we would just plant like a thousand vines at, at, at one spot. So we're just digging holes, fence posts. Um, and then, so that, so that was the first winery. Um, and then, uh, Chip and his, uh, co-founders, um, started a second one called Slowdown Wines. Um, and, uh, and then that kind of exposed me to entrepreneurship, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then I started, uh, I kept breaking my iPhone. If you, like, yeah. uh, I was, I was breaking my iPhone way, way too much. And Apple was charging $200 at the time to fix it. And I was like, there has to be a better way. And so I took it apart, uh, replaced the screen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is actually like, wasn't that, it wasn't terribly difficult. And then I, I got a phone call from one of my buddies that's like, Hey, I broke my phone as well. Um, can you come to the library and fix it for me? And so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I show up at the library, um, put the, put a new screen on and then, and it became this, I was, I never thought it was going to be bigger than just like fixing my friend's phones. And, um, and I, I charged my friend, I think like $60 in the part cost. $30 or something. So I was like, Hey, $30 in yeah. college, uh, is a, t is a ton of money. And, um, so I, I linked up with one of my uh, graphic design, uh, friends and she made these like neon posters. And so I, uh, I gave, uh, each of my friends like 50 little neon posters so that when they went to the classrooms, they would staple it, um, to the wall or tape it to the wall. And actually uh, just a real quick life hack is we sure. would, we would, tape it as higher than the janitors can reach it. So in classrooms, they, they wouldn't <laughs> so be able they to, take they, they can't take it down. <laughs> and, and I, I started getting phone calls being like, um, Hey, can you meet me? And it was actually in the library and, and I was doing all these iPhone repairs. Um, then I, my, my, and I was like, this is a great business. I think it did, um, like as a college student, I think the first year it did like $75,000 in revenue, which uh, wow. is an insane amount. Um, and it was, it was paying for tuition, rent, ev everything. And the, the, I linked up with, um, one of my, uh, good friends at the time, a guy named Anthony Martin. Um, and, and I taught him how to repair phones. He started doing it on his campus. Uh, we ended up graduating, uh, filled, uh, graduating in 2011, packed his car, moved to Silicon Valley to, to try this, the whole startup thing. And, and, the long story short of it, we ended up, um, like over eight years brought on thousands of technicians, uh, thousands, th thousands of technicians. Uh, it was, was doing tens of millions in revenue from the Cal Poly from, library, from the Cal Poly library, from, from <laughs> posters. Thousands. Yeah. So we, we had, uh, we got up to about 5,000 technicians, um, had a, I want over a hundred core employees. Um, what does that mean? 5,000 technicians. Are, are they having physical locations? Or? Yeah, yeah. So that's, a, that's, that's actually a great question. So we, we tried, we were, we were branding ourselves as like the Uber of iPhone repair. So you, oh, wow. uh, it was a company called iCrack. So you, uh, anywhere in the U S um, you press a button and, and a technician would drive uh, to your home office, um, school, wherever, and they'd fix your phone right there. So you didn't, you never had to go to the mall kiosk. You didn't have to uh, take it in anywhere. And the whole idea was like, how do we do this globally? And so we, um, I mean, there, we could talk about this, uh, 
for hours and it was, it was an, an uphill battle for eight years. Um, but the whole idea was like, yeah, just press a button and, and a, and a technical, uh, a guy will show up with parts. Um, and you guys training. expanded to five different countries. Yeah. And we were, um, so we, uh, so yeah. So we went Japan, uh, UK, Germany, uh, Canada, um, and, and probably, probably a couple more in, in the EU. Wow. Was wild. And then you got to sell that. Yeah. So we, we so, sold the business to Allstate Insurance in 2019. Um, and, uh, I, I worked there for two years. Um, and then about a year ago I stepped down and now I'm a full-time chicken farmer. Okay. <laughs> nice. And, and you, you got to sell that for a good amount. I yep. mean, for, for millions. Yeah. And, uh, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was on uh, that. And while very wild, when I say mil time. millions, that's like a low estimate. You, you, you did, you did quite a few million. And, um, then what was it? The, uh, how, how does that happen with all state insurance buying a, I cracked yep. the technology repair company. So iPhone repair. So the, um, so in 2016, we started, um, doing repairs for insurance for, for insurers. So you go to AT&T and Verizon and they sell you a, a $15 a month, um, insurance plan. And so we, we were the white labeled service provider for these insurance repairs Allstate wanted to get into um, the cell phone insurance game, and and we were the conduit because we we could be the repair network. Um, we also launched smart home installation, so think like Amazon Alexa, smart lighting, Nest thermostats. And when we when we had thousands of technicians, we could uh, outfit them with um, with smart home products, and then you'd press a button and we show up and and start in, installing uh, smart home devices. And then all all state thought it'd be a good idea because we could start doing uh, like claims for them. So when if you're an all state customer and something goes wrong in the at home and you have a home warranty, or or something goes wrong with your cell phone, we we would show up and do that. We we ended up the the really cool thing is after we were acquired, uh, ended up being um, Apple's uh, repair arm. So you put in an Apple Care claim, it's our guys that are showing up to do that wow. uh, today still, which is which is super today super still cool. yeah wow that's awesome man congratulations yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Onnit.com. Onnit.com slash overcome. Use the code overcome to save yourself 10% on. I'm holding in my hands the Alpha Brain Focus shot. It's in this cool container. Amy's got the website pulled up for I you do. guys watching on YouTube. Did you drink your focus shot this morning? Absolutely. I, th I, I thought you did. I did too. Yeah. How do you like it? Oh my god, I feel so good. I always feel it's early right now energy. on a Monday. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. This is this is one of the earliest podcasts we've done. Well, this is early for you. <laughs> early for you. <laughs> well, to, to go on the show, yeah, for sure. And it promotes focus and energy, supports a positive mood state, helps manage mental stress. And for me, I truly feel like it helps me get in the flow state faster, stay there longer. Whether I'm going into sparring, I had one before I went to sparring yesterday, and I had a four and a half hour training session because they were stacked i went from 12 to 1 30 and then straight over to the gym from 2 to 4 30 4 40 came home tired last night mm -hmm. but i was focused the entire time i feel like it's very reliable about yeah. how i'm gonna feel the more i've used it the more doing this show really the more I'm able to know that when I drink it, I'm going to be on point. My brain's going to be functioning really well. I feel generally good. And that's been so nice to be able to 
know that it is not going to suddenly make me jittery or suddenly make me feel nauseous or whatever it is. Yeah, well, that that for me is important because some of the products with caffeine, which just has some caffeine, but it's like plant-based and it's healthy and it's a low dose. It's not jittery bad. It's not jittery at all. And sometimes I'll have you know one of those energy drinks or something and then I'm over-caffeinated, over-stimulated, and then I feel like I can't think as good. That's not good. Because it's, it's bothering me. Yeah. And all the Alpha Brain line is super reliable. The capsules, my favorites, the one of my favorites are the Instant, then the Black Label, and my all-time favorite is what we're talking about now. The Alpha Brain Focus Shots, they're incredibly good tasting. The tropical flavor, they also have peach, I believe, but mine's the tropical because it's passion fruit. And that's it delivers consistently. Fruit. And sometimes I'll take one and I'll split it between two smoothies when I make it for us in the morning. I'll just throw a little bit in each mm-hmm. and just, just adds a little something to like our protein powder and the fruit and whatever else we've got in there. Yeah, and thank you so much on it for supporting me, my comeback to fighting. Uh, Fight for the Forgotten, and this podcast. They make it possible. So please support our sponsors, who honestly, I think, have the best supplement line in the world. And our favorite products, Alpha Brain or Total Human, get the best in one packet uh, of morning support and a night support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with Overcome with Justin Wren and Onnit.com. Be sure to use that code. Mm -hmm. Use the code Overcome. Save yourself some money. On it.com slash overcome. Yep. You know, how how rewarding is it to see I, I think there's there's several questions I can go with here, but first would be how rewarding is it to see the fruits of your labor pay off where I've been to your home at Lake Travis. You taught me how to wake surf. Oh, dude, you did awesome. Time. Thank you. You were I think you got up the first time, <laughs> I right? Did. Yeah, I did. No, that was awesome. And uh and so it's, and you get to live an amazing life. You have incredible friends. You have such a lovely partner in summer who just love, I love y'all's relationship. And you get to travel. You have a home that overlooks Lake no, Travis. It's just a, it's just a house. <laughs> it's a house, but it's, but it's gorgeous with an incredible view. And I mean, I think that that, that that's motivating for people to hear that you started out of the library, you know, and you started before that with the winery and everything else, but you had to do a lot of hard work to get to where you are now. Yeah. I think, um, first off, thank you. I, I, um, thank you for having me on the show. This is, this yeah, is awesome. I love I'm, it. Man. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm a very open, hopefully like raw person, but uh, I like there was uh, by no means have I like reached success and, um, and I, and there's, uh, for the last 10 years, there's a hundred plus nights that I, you like cry yourself to sleep. Like, mm. uh, it just, it, it was a, a struggle for, um, is a struggle, was a struggle for years. Um, like starting businesses and you, you know, this with, I, I, um, I was reading, uh, You've done so much cool stuff, Justin. Like you've written books, Thanks, podcasts. You're a humanitarian. You're a fighter. Um, but Thanks. what uh, one of the things I love about Overcome is you want to talk about like what what's all the stuff that like went wrong and how do, how do yeah. you get out of it? Yeah, and, of course. Um, there were like n- many nights walking home. I, I used to walk to and from work, but like many nights walking home that I'd just like start like tearing up and crying with how how hard like how much pressure you have, how many people. Are, are counting 5,000 uh, people uh, counting on you at one point. 
Yeah, and um, and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Like mm-hmm. one, well, for the most part, um, it there, uh, it's not, it's not like there. I don't know. It's uh, it's an uphill battle the majority of time, and people that attain success, like they say, what overnight success is is typically like fifteen years in the making. Yeah. Um, there are no overnight. Successes, or, or it's, yeah, there really right? isn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, people will say it once once you get there, but then they didn't see all all the sleepless nights, yeah, just the walks eat. home where you're tearing up, thinking everything's failing, or, or having failure or, after failure yep. after failure after failure, until you get there. So, what what were one of those times that you really had a moment of of doubt or even defeat that you're like, I can't can't continue, can't can't keep doing this. Well, for, for sure, running out of money, like when yeah. you're, when you're, when you're wondering how you're going to make payroll next week or next month, um, the, the amount of times my co-founder and I had lowered our salaries to zero or near zero, uh, just because like that was hopefully going to, that was going to extend our runway by two more weeks. Um, I, I, there was one time I, I ran uh, payroll for us. My co-founder and I were, I think paying ourselves like $36,000 a year, um, and, and we were paying 30 plus people more than we were paying ourselves. But like we needed to do that because like that's that would try to keep the company alive. Um, we've we've we had launched products that failed. Um, yeah, I'd, like, I think I think just on that point real quick where you're paying 30 plus people more than you. That speaks volumes of of your character and, and, and even integrity where it's like, hey, I believe in this. And so I'm not going to lower y'all's totally. I'm going to lower mine because, because I believe this and this, what, this is what a good leader would do, or this is what I feel compelled and yep. uh, that I need to do. Yeah. And, and, um, it's so funny cause everyone thinks that like your title, like they're like, Oh, Justin's the CEO. Like he, he has to be like just crazy successful. And like, he's the boss man. And, and, uh, yeah. So someone coming to you asking for a raise and they're getting paid more than you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I've yeah. had those conversations. Yeah. Um, there was, there's was someone that, um, that actually came to me and asked me for a raise. And, and he's, uh, he was like, hey, AJ, I, I, I would love a $5,000 raise. I'm like, Hey, w- unfortunately we we're like, we're, we're pausing all like raises and bonuses right now until we um, turn, turn the ship around or, or whatever we were doing at the time. And he was like, well, $5,000 means so much more to me than it means to you. And I'm, and I, I like, oh, I wow. lost my shit. Like yeah. I, I was like that, that is, if, if you actually believe that, like if you, if you believe that you shouldn't be in this, in our culture, in our company. Um, and then we, we, we literally from that conversation, we worked on a transition plan and, um, and moved them out of the company. Um, but yeah, there are just so many tough, uh, tough conversations. Um, if you're if you're leading a company, or or if you're someone involved in a company culture, how how important is it to find the right people? I mean, I think that's I, I think that's self explanatory. But but for you, how would you how would you riff on that? Where it's you want the right people in the right seat on the right bus headed in the right direction. For, um, for sure. It, I mean, it's the hands down, the most important thing. Um, hire, hiring the wrong person is 
bringing like I, we were super fortunate that we were all college age and coming out of college. And so I got to hire my best friends. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I, I don't even like the term hire. Like I was fortunate enough to be able to work with my best, like work alongside my best friends for, um, for, for years. It, it is the, like life is way too short to not be around people you love. And it, it mm. could be in the, in workplace, the, your, who you hang out with, uh, after work or on the weekends, like life's life is way too short to, um, to not have fun and not be around the people you love, which on, on the, on a company I just um, started, which is a, um, it's a chicken. What's the name again? It's Go called ahead. Coop. Coop. Okay, um, and this is actually the first time I've ever, two big firsts. We were hanging out Saturday and Amy all of a sudden he pulls out his phone and he goes, look at my chickens. Ah. <laughs> and, and it's like a live stream from inside the coop. Well, how do I get to and that? How do I I'll, I'll share the live stream. <laughs> yeah. <for you. laughs> What's the website for coop? Uh, so it's, it's, it's coop.farm. Okay, cool. Um, there's no.com. It's just coop.farm. But the, the funny, so the two big firsts for me today this is the first time I've we ever just pulled it up. If we can pull that up for the people watching on, <laughs> on YouTube. a mission to democratize chickens. <laughs> like, <laughs> How'd you come up with that name? I uh, so the so the company or, is, or that that saying uh, we because uh, I think it's hilarious. So the company I I want I want anyone that has a backyard in the U.S. to be able to raise chickens and own their own food supply, like have food sovereignty, wow. know where uh, their food comes from. We're, food we're, sovereignty. The, the, this whole idea of like uh, farm to table is, is has been kind of greenwashed. Like uh, we we think that if the the average egg that guess how old the average egg in a grocery store is. Weeks. It is weeks. It, 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 the F, like it's on average 30 to 60 days from wow. when you take it off the shelf in the grocery store. 30 and, to 60 days. Yeah. And so. Um, How long do they last? Uh, you, if you keep them refrigerated for, for months. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I, I believe that we can create this world where um, millions of people uh, have. Fresh. Get, like backyard to table. Like what's, wow. what's cooler than that where you have. Um, you have basically family members, like people that raise chickens. They're not just egg factories. They they become family members. And I've been raising chickens for uh, 10 or 15 years. And what, what we want to do is uh, how do you automate everything? So we're going to take care of food delivery, cleaning. Um, we'll, uh, we'll set it up for you. We'll hand deliver baby chicks for you. And we're going to enable anyone who wants to raise chickens. We'll walk you through it. We, we're going to build this um, this crazy community at, where it's it's going to be like, uh, decentralized food production. So if, if hmm. you have hundreds of thousands of people, uh, raising, uh, raising chickens that are, that are, and by the way, th this is all for eggs. Like people don't raise their own chickens typically in their backyards, uh, for, to, to for slaughter, meat. Yeah. Um, and so we, we believe we can start this movement where people can start, like egg sharing. So think like Airbnb, but for <laughs> eggs where, yeah. uh, you can either, uh, it's like the modern day lemonade stand. You can teach your kids about entrepreneurship. You can share with, uh, food shelters and, and do food programs for excess eggs that you yeah. have, uh, sell them back through like target whole foods where, um, where people can start monetizing excess eggs. Um, but this is actually the first time I've ever talked publicly about it. So, wow. so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and sharing here. So it's coop.farm coop.farm. Can people go on there now and start getting set up? Um, not, not yet. quite we, yet. We're, we're yeah. going to, we're probably going to launch in a, in a year. Okay, great. Um, but people can start planning it out and start yeah. following the journey. Yeah, no, it's, oh, and, uh, the, so long-term we want to build, you want to build 
chicken Mars. coops on Set. Mars. Yeah, well, it, it, automated ag production. Uh, so like that, it, it could. So you're thinking gonna, small. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, we. I, I think it'd be really, really cool to build automated uh, both protein and vegetable production systems uh, for SpaceX colonies on the moon and Mars. Like you're wow. going to need food production systems there. Um, and we just met a guy Saturday over at Chip's place. Yep. Uh, started Firefly co-founder. Eric and uh, he just got a NASA deal um, to start taking sure. stuff I've to. Heard of, I've heard of his company. I've yeah. followed it. Mm-hmm. And taking stuff to, to, to the moon for NASA back and forth. So was, maybe you can take your chicken coops. Yeah. He, it was a 90, yeah. $93 million contract. Like, yeah. That, that's serious. Yeah. I think he's raised like 370 million total. Probably that was not that much for that, NASA though. Yeah. You know, they're <laughs> like 93 million. Yeah. Though. He texted me <laughs> last night that he's heading to Washington DC today. It's awesome. And, uh, we're together, show him the docu-series, which I still want to show you. I, and, I can't wait uh, to see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of purpose. Um, it's called Overcomer and, We'll cover everything from addiction to suicide to bullying to modern day slavery, the water crisis. Through that, I'll be making a comeback fight, but it's all all stories through Fight for the Forgotten of people we've gotten to really impact their lives and see life transformation happening, um, whether it's over in Uganda or right here in, in Austin or in Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And... So how do you come up with a dream for something like this? I mean, I guess you had 10, 15 years experience and then you're like, everybody needs this. Yeah, um, well, first off, a- Amy and Justin, what you guys are doing with fight for the forgotten and is like the coolest thing. It, oh. uh, it, it's, um, it's, in- it's inspiring. And I, I love what, re- what you're doing with overcome. Um, I, I, this weekend, I think how many days sober are you now? I think I'm 215 today. Like that's crazy. That, that's a, Thanks. that's a, that's a milestone. Um, yeah. that's awesome. I, I, all your, all your like followers, listeners are like rooting, rooting for you and, and like love this and it's inspiring. So just thank, thank you. Thanks uh, brother. Yeah. I'm really but, grateful for that. Uh, well, thanks we for were, the kind words too about five for the forgotten. I yeah. feel like, you know, what you've done with the Ukraine project that you've worked on, we can learn things too from that, from your approach, which has been really interesting to hear about, which we'll get into. We'll get into that. And I'm, I'm excited to go there and we'll do an intro where, where people know that's coming um, later in the episode. And, but I really, yeah, man, thank you for the kind words on, on fight for the forgotten. And then for me personally, Amy, uh, we were talking and, um, Saturday and I said 213 days and you're like wow time time flies man wow. and I'm like yeah you know and I, I this is just the life that I truly want to live you know um, because whenever I other people can I can't right and and other people like me with like addiction but man it takes me out of who I am who I want to be what I could potentially do it just um it robs me of, of what you just said, the the kind words about fight for the forgotten. And if I'm using or stuck in a cycle of addiction, like I could, I could never live the life of impact that I truly hope and, and even know deep down that, that I can and the great things I have seen. And so I think the last time I went to treatment, which was November 18th or something like that, November 11th was when I got sober. Um, 11, 11 is my sobriety date. And it was, it was really confusing to me because I have so much purpose, 
with Fight for the Forgotten that I was like, how am I back here? Like, how, how'd, I, how'd I do this again? And it's, it's confusing to others. It was confusing to Amy. It was confusing to my mom. It was confusing to, to people. But it's, I think it's even more confusing to me because I've, I've said on the show that I, I truly think in a fight, it's the person with the most reasons that usually wins. And I believe whenever I make this comeback fight, there's not a person they can put in that cage with me that when I'm looking, I'm staring them down. Like, I'm just going to know I've, I've totally. got more reasons than you and, and he's going to know too. Like he's not fighting for the same stuff I am. Totally. So I think it was a mind warp where it was like, I, I have all this stuff that isn't even about me, you know, that, that means more than just what matters to me. And so getting caught in that, I had to really look back at childhood stuff, um, PTSD from even living in Africa and other things and be like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to give almost myself away or through fight for the forgotten. I'm, I'm, I'm able to do this stuff for others. Why can't I do it for me? And I think it goes back to even the wrestling talk where I'm sure on the mats, you were so quick to ask for help. Um, or technique, right? Yep. Or training or, Hey coach, I'm not getting this move down correctly. Like you're explaining it this way. I'm seeing them do it and it's just not clicking for me. But I, I, I sought out probably the best coaching in the world when it came to wrestling, jujitsu, boxing, <laughs> strength and conditioning. Uh, then even through fight for the forgotten, I was surrounding myself with, with founders and mentors and even speaking or, or when I wrote my book, I was like, I, I graduate, I don't know if you knew this, but I graduated like 236 out of 237 at Bishop Lynch, <laughs> which was a, a great school. And a lot of people loved academics, but I just, I had, uh, I was probably in the same boat, yeah, by the way, <laughs> ADD and dyslexic. And it was just, it was hard. And I was focused on other things, but whenever I wrote the book, I sought out and I did a sports illustrated interview and the, the person interviewing me was a New York times bestselling author. And she's like, we're going to write you a book. And so I got to be surrounded by another one of the best, but whenever it came to the biggest struggle of my life, um, some reason I felt like, and maybe it's from being a fighter and from being a wrestler and having to, I mean, we have a team, but also like it comes down to you. So I think I got stuck in the loop of, I've got to do this myself. Like no one else can do this for me. And so then I think from that, I would also say, you know, I wouldn't go to a AA meeting because I didn't want to be an old, old grumpy man sitting in a dilapidated like basketball gym in a shitty chair <laughs> and like complaining about my life and my wife and, and everyone around me making it about them instead of me. So I just had some bad perceptions and didn't think I could ask for help. And, uh, there's a doctor named Dr. Daniel Amen, 12 time New York Times bestselling author. He's who's my doctor. And Amy's gotten to see him and talk with him. And, and he's just, uh, he's a great guy. And he told me something really important, man. And it was, it was me asking for help wasn't a sign of weakness. It was a sign of strength. Totally. And I'd seen him three years earlier, but then I stopped. I went to him once. He spent three full days with me out in California and gave me his everything. And then I'm like, okay, I got it now. And then when I was back in the same spot, I'm like, man, I'm, and he's like, Hey, you are not worse. Y you have to see that progress isn't linear. Progress isn't linear. And you aren't where you were when I met you, you have made progress. You feel low, but it's this, it's just this little down time, totally. down tick. And you're about to go on an uptick 
if you start surrounding yourself with the right people and coaches and that can guide you on this journey. And so that, that's anyways, that, thank you for saying that. And, uh, I feel like this time is different because I want it and, and I wanted it before, but now I want it and I'm, I'm taking action. I'm backing it with that and surrounding myself with good people. Which, um, speaking of books, I, I started, wait, is it the body keeps the score? Yes. So, so I'm, I'm about a quarter way through. I started it yesterday. Wow. Uh, it's an excellent book. Great. It's, it's uh, do I want to have that author on, on the show. Yeah, no, it's it's a very um, the stories are just like are, are crazy. That um, you want to tell people just very quickly about about the book. Actually, uh, I told you about the book before I really dug into it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so, so, so it's Matt, all about Matt Stag is a friend that uh, does Joe Rogan's booking, and okay. um, he he said you have to have this author on. You have to read this book. It's it's for you. It's for your audience. Yeah, no. It's, so, it's, so it's all about overcoming um, trauma, PTSD, okay. a bunch of case studies with uh, Vietnam veterans, and like there, there wasn't a um, in psychology. There's a uh, uh, like the Bible of psychology is called the DSM five, the Diagnostic yep. and Statistical Manual. You learn about that at treatment a lot. Um, and but there wasn't a term for PTSD until until uh, the end of World War II, and so uh, people would get diagnosed as schizophrenics mm. when they'd come back from uh, from World War II. And, and there's a, a group of doctors that were like, hold on, this is like, people are li- uh, having all these crazy, uh, they're reliving all this trauma. Mm. And so, um, and it goes into like specific case studies of, of patients and, ha- and how they, um, it, like deep brain stimulation and, and like 15 different uh, treatments uh, for childhood trauma, mm. sexual abuse, uh, 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 veterans coming home. Um, but it's a fascinating book. You should definitely have the author on, but I'm only, yeah. I'm like, I don't a third, third through a quarter way through. That's awesome. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm going to be able to say that we already talked about it on the show, whatever, <laughs> whatever he's on. Fight for the forgotten.org. You can go check out fight for the forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We had to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. Uh, I think I think for me, have you ever heard of EMDR? Mm-hmm. So I, I did that and it was really, really good. Um, but there was, I've done it five, six, seven times. And one or two times, I feel like it left me w- more raw than having like a resolution. So at treatment, um, this last time through, I think that was the biggest breakthrough I've ever had in any sort of therapy session. And, and I've done therapy for years and with four or five, just really great therapists and psychiatrists. And 
Um, but they did something called ART, which was Accelerated Resolution Trauma Therapy. And it was EMDR with like guided meditation almost. Okay. That then allowed me to go back to specific moments of, of childhood trauma and other things and find resolution there. My brain, what was really cool was it was almost hypnosis, but not. And then my brain would do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it was like, what would have happened? What could have happened? What should have happened? What? And, and it was just crazy because it was the most vivid. Uh, I wrote Amy a letter and uh, describing it all. And um, Sydney got it and she's holding a, a big envelope and she goes, I th how would he have sent you? What was it? How'd a lot of it? cash. How would he have sent you a wad of cash from treatment? <laughs> and it was really just 19 pages of written notes. <laughs> so it wasn't cash, but it was, uh, I wanted to remember it and I wanted to journal it and I wanted to be able to go back to it because it was so powerful, so profound. It was exactly what I needed. It felt like almost too big of a gift because I got to go back to all these moments and be able to see That's like, crazy. how, how it, it could have been better and how I could have shown up and how basically almost, um, how would you say it? Almost, they call it like psychotherapy where um, you, or psycho uh, drama, where I got to, my brain did this for me, it wasn't guided, but I got to step in and almost be the hero that I needed in that moment. And now it's like I get to see those, and when when things flare up or memories come back, which they really don't anymore, not not much. Like we've even talked about some bullying moments where it's like that doesn't really affect me in the same way. But I get to be like, hey, little guy, if uh, if if I see the inner child wounds kind of coming up, I get to be like, hey, now I'm the 35 year old me, and you don't have to act that way anymore. You don't have to go use, or you don't have to be triggered, or things like that. And I get to react the way I want to. So, so I was thinking about this yesterday. Did did you, um, so I was thinking about like, do I have any past trauma that I haven't internalized or that my brain is hiding from me? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think the answer is no, but I, I, uh, or, or maybe, maybe there is I, that, that I don't know, but did you ever, have you ever like uncovered trauma that you didn't realize that like, like where your brain, your brain's almost keeping like a, a suppressed a, memory of veil. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I've had a few of those. Um, so just real quick, like, uh, when I was at treatment the first time and there was no real resolution, there was no real actual trained therapist there. It was like a militaristic, like boot camp type thing where they cussed at you fake as fuck, motherfucker, you mask wearing clown, you piece of shit. Wait, you, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> that, that I was, seems traumatic I, it was, yeah. it was, it seems was. Like it's going I, the wrong direction. I was the only one and <clears throat> I believe out of 34 guys there that, uh, wasn't court ordered there. And I like chose it cause I wanted to go to like fight camp yeah, yeah. to like, for the biggest fight of my life, but it was, it was wrong mentality and I needed some healing and I didn't get it there. But, um, the only thing you had to do at five minute breaks and you're up at 5am, you're, you can't go lay down until 10 PM, um, and lights out where at 11 and you're locked out of your space the whole day. And so you have to be moving, have to be in class. Um, and so the only five minute breaks you got, everybody just went to the smoke pit pit and I never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. And so we went out there and, uh, and they started smoking and I finally, uh, I asked for one to have something to do in yeah, there. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's where everyone kind of is where only community happened was totally. around there and t conversations. And I had the first hit or two of the cigarette and a memory came back to me of, uh, 
basically a, a woman that uh, we had someone that um, kind of helped us keep keep the house clean growing up and, and stuff. And um, I had a surgery and the day after surgery and I was hopped up on pain pills. This woman was probably in her in her 60s and I was like 14, 15 years old. And I would say, I mean, I think the term would probably be rape. Um, that was my first time having sex and other things. And she just, she was a person that didn't keep care of herself and and not to not knock her, but at the same time, like she stunk, she smelled like cigarettes. Um, she was older, I was younger, this is my first experience and, and I didn't want it, right? And I asked her to stop and it kept going. And so having that cigarette, like, I don't know, not 20 years later, but 16, 17 years later, all of a sudden I remember that, that memory. And I remember after it happened, like that was my first time up out of the bed was to throw up and she had to clean up my throw up right next to the, the Man, bed. That's, 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 it's dark. Yeah, it's dark. So that was a repressed memory. And then in that ART accelerated resolution therapy, um, there was a moment where like a childhood thing happened of like sexual abuse, like to me, um, and it was in a closet and going back to that memory, I got to kind of be the hero I needed and step in and grab myself and take me out of that closet. But whenever I left I, and had the resolution, like I, I, I helped my little guy, I talked to my little guy, all that stuff. He like looked at me with these eyes, like that wasn't all or something. I was missing something. So I told the therapist and she's like, well, let's go back to that memory. And so I, the first time I saw it, I was being walked to the closet hand in hand with this babysitter. The second time I went back to it, I'm watching it on like a TV screen in my mind, like a visualization, my eyes are closed. I see it's not just me being walked hand in hand. There was a, a little girl too. And so in my memory, I remembered it happening to me, but I didn't remember it happened to someone else at that same time, or it happened multiple times. But one of the times, at least there was another little girl there. So in the, in the resolution, I got to step through the TV into that closet, grab both little Justin and this little girl. I still don't know her name or anything, but I can vividly see her now. I got to pick her up, walk them out of the door, shut the door on the babysitter, go to a park. Um, we got uh, fr uh, blizzards from from uh, Dairy Queen. Did they turn them upside down? And Yeah, they did. <laughs> actually, yeah. Yeah. We, we actually didn't go into the store. We walked through the drive-thru together, yeah. me and these two little ones. And, uh, and we got chocolate, strawberry, blizzards, and they turned it over for us and we grabbed it from there and we walked to the park. So it was just a really cool moment where it's like, okay, that stuff happened, but, um, but it's okay. And now I can respond differently and, and kind of have those memories, not erased, but, but another memory filling it that might not have actually happened. But, um, but for me, it's like, you know what, this is what I wish would happen and what could have happened. What would have happened if I, if I was me now. Yep. Right. So yeah, those are two repressed memories for sure that, um, came up during therapy kind of a treatment at both times at treatment, I had repressive memories come up that I had not thought of for decades. And, and at, um, I mean, the, the, the older I get, the more just amazed I am at the human mind, but at the same time, you're like kind of reprogramming your brain to like release all the stress of, yeah. of hold, of holding something back and, and being at, at least a little bit more at peace and, uh, and controlling the narrative and not letting the narrative control you. It sounds like that that's it because I, I went back to a bunch of different moments, but it was like different stages of my life. And we collected kind of the memories on VHS tape and we, me and 
my little versions of myself from three years old and 13 years old and maybe even 18, 19 years old, like we all came together and we put into a cardboard box and we went out to a different park and there was a bonfire going and we each, you know, threw uh, the memories into that bonfire. And then we walked away and somehow in the, in the kind of dream state or vision, um, the visualization, we set like, uh, uh, fuses fire. And then like a fireworks show happened. And, you know, it was just like a moment of like kind of putting a seal on the, the memories where it's like, Hey, this is, this is the stuff that happened in the past, but it's in the past. And like, now we're here and now I'm going to step up for those versions of myself. And yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was good. Thanks for asking that. Uh, thanks for setting the stage to where I could share some of that, but yeah, I'm going to check out that book. Yeah. It's, it's, I'll, I'll probably finish it. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know how I'll, I'll probably finish it in the next day or two. Like it's okay. excellent. Do you read books all the time that fast? Yeah, I'd listen to them. So oh, okay. I, I, I audible. I just, I just I, downloaded it right now. I think I had already, but yeah. Audible is like the best service in the world. Like I, I, I used to not, I'd probably read three books a year or five books a year um, in my, in my twenties. And now I, I'd listen to probably like, 60 to 75 books a year. Like wow. I'm, I, and, and I, I'm re-listening to a bunch of them. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of like business or philosophy main, is, is mainly my jam. Well, on that, um, getting back to coop.farm and, and business in general. So you have a vision to do it. What's, what's kind of your process of, of making it happen? You have an idea. Yep. So, um, so I, sp- I spent the last 10 years in, uh, Silicon Valley, which is like, uh, uh, the Disneyland for, for startups, for fundraising, hiring great talent, uh, building, building companies. And so for, for Coop, then the first thing, well, I, and I've spent the last year, like designing, like, what do we want it to look like? Uh, I've, we've, we, we have, uh, prototypes that we're working on, uh, the, in the first designer of, uh, nest designed our chicken coop, which is, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember you guys putting it up out yeah. there. It was awesome. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I just raised, uh, venture capital. So I, um, we, we just raised venture capital about two or three months ago. Um, ju- we just brought on, uh, this woman, Jordan Barnes, the most fantastic, one of the most fantastic people I've ever worked with. She just joined us three weeks ago. Um, so we're starting to hire, uh, we're building the team, um, we're looking for talented generalists. So if any of your listeners are looking for an awesome job in, in Austin, uh, <laughs> for sure, for sure, reach out to me. Um, and then now, now it's, it, it's building, like, how do I surround myself with the best people I've ever worked with, uh, get them on like the vision of like, um, every, like the ability for anyone to raise, raise backyard chickens. Um, which is hilarious. Uh, and it's like that, like that I, one of my buddies asked to, uh, if I would start a, a company with him. Um, pro- this was probably a year ago and I was like, I'm absolutely flattered. Uh, but it's not in a space that I'm passionate about. And I'm getting to the age where I only want to work on things that I'm like incredibly fired up and passionate about and believe on. Like I want, I, I still like, I want to do like something that's fun that I like wake up and smile and laugh every day. Cause, uh, a lot of, for the last couple of years of, uh, building, I cracked my last company. Like I'd wake up and be like, 
shit, I don't, I like, I don't want to go to like, not, I don't want to go to work today. Cause I, I felt like I had to go to work. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. Um, one of the, one of the funny things that, uh, for founders that, um, people may not think about, or that I didn't think about, uh, a lot is that like found founders for the most part are the only people in companies that can't quit. Like everyone mm. can choose to be there, but if you're like the founder or the CEO of your, your own company and it, um, if you're the CEO of, uh, um, of your own company, like everyone, when they're miserable, they can say, Hey, I'm going to go work somewhere else. I'm going to go be happier doing something else. But like founders, um, founders, like I, I, you can't quit. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm flattered by, so my friend asked me to start a company with him and I was like, I no, I just want to, I only want to work th on things I'm passionate about that I'm fired up in the morning that like, there's nothing more energizing then like when your body wakes itself up at like 6am and you, mm. and you're just, you're excited to get to work. Like you're, you're like excited to wake up and start something and create something and, and work with people you love working with. Um, and you guys get it. You guys love each other and you get to hang out and, and, mm -hmm. yeah, and work on all these today. cool, yeah. cool projects. So, um, but you better love it. Like, yeah. You have to love it because mm -hmm. I, I spent years not loving it. And, um, and I, I the big takeaway is, uh, yeah, like life is way too short to be in a to be in a place that you're not truly fulfilled or happy for a long enough time. That's mm -hmm. not saying avoid hard work and doing stuff that um that's not avoiding hard work and and there might be times that you you're miserable for months, but if it's if there's too much time that goes by, then like you need to change something. And so so because I've been on Rogan's a bunch, a lot of his listeners recognize me and will come up and tell me their story. And it's, it's awesome hearing a lot of their stories, but there's so many people that, you know, they'll say, you know, Joe hammers on the nine to five sitting in a cubicle, all this stuff. Is this really what you want to do? What could you do all this stuff? And people have come up and told me, man, because of the podcast, I took a leap of faith and I started my own company oh, or so I cool. got involved in this or I did that. And it's really cool to hear years later how, how it worked out for him. But if one of our listeners now is, is stuck in a job that they don't see really going somewhere and they feel trapped, they're not excited to wake up, um, they're working long, long hours. If they're asked for overtime, they feel like they can't say no. Um, they don't like their coworkers, their whatever it is, yep. and they feel the prompting to take a leap of faith but they're not sure what or where maybe they do have an idea. How would you, have you ever had a conversation with someone that's come to you and seen what you're doing, a friend, and then they just needed that, that nudge of encouragement. What would you say to someone to say, Hey, bet on yourself. I, I would say the, uh, this is so cliche. It, it really is like, I, if you well, want to oftentimes have truth in them for, for sure. If you want to start <laughs> something, um, you don't need to quit your job to do it. You like, don't okay, need good. to go all in. I don't, I, I think that you can, you can start it like, like think of like it as a like hustle. a seed, a seedling, like okay. you like plant it and then you slowly water it. You don't need to like, you don't need to starve yourself, uh, to, to validate it if an idea works. But, um, but it, it is, even if you start something and fail, the learnings that you get, and I've failed at a bunch of different like little side projects and, um, the learnings you get are greater than, than any, than not having done it. Um, 
and uh, what is it, Matt Vincent that was on your mm-hmm. recent and and he he said that he started a um, a bicycle, bicycle shop, shop and and after year three they had to shut it down. But like his learnings, I'm sure his learnings are so much greater than than having to shut it down on year on year three. Um, yeah. So I would I would say. You don't you don't have to burn your boats necessarily to, to start something. You can start start small. But if you're if you're working a nine to five and you are miserable, um, like there there's plenty of probably other things that you could be passionate about, um, or other different like I don't know, re- control your own destiny in your life and like take ownership from it, um, and and find something else that is is more fulfilling. Like you don't have to be. Uh, miserable chasing you don't have to be you can chase a paycheck but you don't have to be miserable chasing a paycheck like find find uh like try to find something that you're happy about and you're you're fulfilled with for sure so you had you've had a unique start right i mean you started a winery in college um is that how you say it a winery Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah okay and uh and then another company and built it up sold it you're in your th- I mean, you probably started more than this, but the third company that you're yep. passionate about, you're excited for, but you also have two of the sweetest parents. Oh my gosh. They're incredible. Um, they're incredibly philanthropic. And do you think, I mean, cause we're about to get into Ukraine, but I'd love for you to talk about your parents, the example or the things that you've learned from them and their hearts for, for giving. And, and basically a lot of what we see on the show is how can we, improve our life or, or overcome our darkest day so that we can make this world better. For sure. And I think you had a, a pretty stellar example of that growing up, even still now today. Yep. And a lot of people don't have that, you know, and, um, and you did. Yeah. So my, um, my parents are the most, uh, incredible role models. They're, they're morally sound. I like, I for sure, I consider myself in like just blessed beyond uh, beyond words uh, for how how amazing that they are. Um, they um, they're they're a lot of it is rooted in Christianity. Like they're they're um, they they like my mom writes. Uh, they, they, yeah, so they're they're just incredible Christian um, leaders and followers. Um, and so I think it's it's just it's it's luck it's it's god it's it's being blessed uh that i i it's probably like it's a it's just a genetic uh like everyone us sitting right here is is we won the lottery um Hmm. so i would would say i owe a ton of who i am to them um and one of the cool things that they yeah so i I don't really i don't yeah do they they just let my brother chip and i and we have a sister as well but they'd like they wouldn't like let us watch TV. They would like kick us out of the house and lock the door and say like, go, go explore the woods. And they, they like really pushed us to try to be independent. Um, and, but at the same time, not giving us like any handouts or, or spoiling us, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're just incredible people. Um, and, and you'll have, um, I believe like a, a family foundation. So like, yep. like specific philanthropic giving that they get passionate about, that the family gets passionate about. And I think that that being exposed to something like that, at least from my perspective, could have set you up in a position 
to where when you heard about the war happening in Ukraine, to where a friend calls you at two days in, and then all of a sudden y'all decide we're going to do something about it. And what has come from that is 9,000 supporters plus raising over $800,000 or something like that, helping six refugee centers, right? And sending two or three ambulances to- uh, We just bought three ambulances. Three they're ambulances. In, they're in Italy right now and we have to drive them to Ukraine in the next couple, uh, probably in the next two weeks if you want to drive one. We have, I'll, I'll drive okay. one. My, <laughs> we just my drive it to, yeah. to, to where? Will you be driving we'll, we'll, to- We'll take it to Ukraine. Ukraine. We'll, yeah. Wow. Should I, should I go to Italy and drive a, a ambulance just, to uh, Ukraine? You've got some other <laughs> things going on in the next couple of weeks. So just hold on. Maybe? I'm, Maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll think about it. And then- It's not a no. But how, so you're going to drive one of them? Yeah, most likely. Wow. Look at this. So you, so that's- How long at this point has the war e, e, been going Yeah. So, so we uh, we're at, I think, around day 108. Um, so February twenty wow. fourth uh, was when okay. Russia, Russia invaded uh, Ukraine. Um, and by the way, I'm no geopolitical expert at all. Like, I, sure, but which I is think great I, because that's super inspiring. If people want to get involved, you don't yeah, have to be a geopolitical for, expert. Yeah, and I I think what just on that point, like to ease you, we're not saying you're the the expert on Ukraine, but I think that anybody can learn that if you have a prompting and you have a desire and you have a passion to help so many people I've through fight for the forgotten. I have had probably hundreds of people tell me in person or through messages saying, Oh, I want to do something like that, but I could never do it. Totally. Um, or, Oh, I'm so glad you can, but I can't. Um, or you have a platform and I don't, or you started a charity, but I wouldn't even know where to begin. And you guys just were like, hey, we're going to do this. So you yeah. threw up a link and you're like, well, you, and I'm, I'm going to go. And one I'm gonna... of the articles too said you just couldn't sit back and watch, which I love that. Like, no. because we do, we go on with our daily life so many times rather than going, this is horrendous. What can I do? Yeah. So a quick, quick backstory. Um, so my, my best friend, Max, his name's Max Rance McDonald um, in in uh the earthquakes in nepal i think it was 2015 um he was like holy cow like we got to get over there and help so he he got a group of his friends together went over there raised i want to say like 50 or sixty thousand dollars, bought generators we're like pulling pulling people out of rubble and and he so he's he's a uh first responder and he called the man of action yeah for for sure he like he's been to i think 110 countries uh he didn't have a house for eight I'm pretty years sure i met him on the boat one oh, day, yeah yeah and of he course. was incredible dude yeah he's he's uh yeah he's he's the craziest he's he's uh he's like the craziest most unique guy uh that i'm that i know um people kept pulling stories out of him i don't know if it was like oprah or what i mean just like all these people that he had just been with or done this or that but then all the good yeah all the good that he's done and and so he he called me I want to say February 27th It was like 7 PM. And he's like, Hey man, like we, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to Poland and, and Ukraine. If you want to come, uh, like this is just absolute, like, he's like, I've been crying. Uh, I've, I've been crying for like hours over this. Like we, we got it. We have to try to do something and we're only, we're just like two, uh, two people. So I was like, Hey, I would, I've, I've never been to Poland. I've never been. Why to did the- he call you? 
Uh, I, I don't know. Pro- pro- the, probably because the first couple of people he called didn't answer. They're probably oh. having <laughs> um, I thought maybe y'all had a. No, a I, I, he's one of your best friends. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's one just of, one of your really close friends. Yeah. So he knew he could talk to you about it. And and so uh, so I was like, hey man, I uh, like I, I would love to come. Like we did. We, so we bought one way tickets that night, leaving the next morning. Um, and this is on like day, this is a day three or four, three of the war. Y'all because, talked that day. That night. We talked that Talk, night, and then, that we're, night. And then we flew You bought out. tickets that night. Yep. You left the next morning. Yep. And we, we flew out, uh, cause w- when the war started, like, you know, people, that's not normal, right? Well, pe- <laughs> most people don't do that. Kind of I thing. mean, that's action. And, yeah. and my, my lovely girlfriend summer, uh, came with us as well and, or joint was, was a huge part of it as well. And so, um, but when the war first started, people thought it would be like a week long thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the, I still am sort of living in sort of a fantasy world that this is going to end like tomorrow or something. Yeah. And I'll see it in the news and I go, well, shit, that's still going on. Like, yeah, and, and at least in the West, I feel like for the first uh, month of the war, it, it felt like it was being like on every news channel and everyone was talking it was. about it. And, yeah. it. and it feels like people, it's not like the new normal now. Like mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's, it's gotten a little it's, old. It's past that its new story. Mm-hmm. It's it was like us when we were in the Middle East, and it just kept going. Yeah, on, kept yeah. Going on. And people become a little worn down for sure, and aren't listening as attentively, aren't sickened yep. in their heart. Well, and like, then and then also uh, as an American, you're like, oh well, the U.S. government's going to take care of it. We'll just pass a forty billion dollar aid package to it. Like what? Uh, oh, good. That's done. We can yeah, check it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we landed. Uh, in Warsaw, it was our first, my first time being in Warsaw. I didn't didn't know anyone. Uh, we uh, we like put on Instagram. We're like, hey, we're in Warsaw. If uh, if anyone knows it, like people we can link up with, that'd be that'd be awesome to to get to meet meet people that are uh, uh, just that are that are that knew what was going on more than we did because we're mm-hmm. basically just. Was uh, there a part of you that was like, maybe we should have thought this through more and not left the next day? Or were you just like, no, we're going. No, we're we, uh, uh, there was, uh, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, let's, let's try to make a little dent in, in helping out, uh, if, if we can. And so, uh, so we said the first thing we need to do is, um, is actually go see firsthand what's, what's actually going on mm-hmm. at, at the borders. Um, and so Poland is one country that borders, uh, Ukraine. There's six main, uh, border checkpoints, uh, what uh, Max posted like, "Hey, we're here. Does anyone know how to help?" We linked up with this incredible woman, uh, Victoria Umanska, who's uh, another startup founder. Uh, she's she's pr- very involved in like the the entrepreneur community in Warsaw. Um, and so we rented a, a little car that the air conditioning didn't work for the first three days, or the heater didn't work because it was freezing. Um, the heater didn't work, but we went to each border checkpoint. Um, and the first the first night we were there, we we're at the first checkpoint. And it's just uh, like thousands of uh, moms, grandmas with their children, strollers, just pouring over the border. They with uh, at the time, um, Poland wasn't like the government. There's so much bureaucracy with like uh, people coming over that people were uh, having to wait in uh, in the snow in lines for uh, like 40 hours to to cross. Uh, with no food, cars were running out of are, are running out of gas. Like petrol's a huge uh, issue there. People are like dying. Like literally, people are are dying in the lines of uh, of colds, waiting to get across the border. You and, sent me some videos, and I just it was it was women, children. Like I, I cried. Uh, I yeah. the, the 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 at the first border, I was like, I am not. Um, 
I'm not saying I'm strong, but I was like, I am not strong enough to deal with like, they're leaving their husbands, their sons that are, they're conscripted to, to fight. Um, and they don't know where they're, they're like, they're like families just huddling, uh, like they have nowhere, they don't know where to go. Um, th that being said, the, the Polish people are, are the most welcoming, incredible, like it, you talk to, uh, you talk to the, um, Polish people and they're like, the, this isn't the government helping the, uh, refugees. This is like the Polish people. The government's not doing shit. We're, we're like, this is all a hundred percent on the Polish people. And so there's hundreds of volunteers at every border. So, uh, that are like, uh, like warm clothes, food, uh, people were like Polish there, there was, uh, Polish people literally fighting each other to try to help to like, Hey, I'm driving this family. Mm. Uh, I'm driving this family to like Warsaw or Krakow. Um, and, uh, so we visit the first couple of days we visited the six or seven main border checkpoints. And at each checkpoint, we would find the person that, uh, is in charge and, and we'd say, Hey, what do you guys specifically need? And they would say like, Hey, we have enough, uh, baby formula. We're running out of uh, feminine products and sleeping bags. Um, and then, uh, but we have enough, uh, uh, food and soup or, or something like that. And so we, did you bring a translator? Or? Yeah. So Victoria, who is with us, uh, oh, okay. so she's, she's, uh, Polish and Ukrainian, um, which helps and, she, and, uh, and there was no formal organization we were with at the time. Um, it, we would just say, Hey, we're, we're trying to help where we can. What do you guys, we're going to try to raise some money. We had set the bar at like, Hey, uh, Max had raised $50,000 for Nepal. So like, let's make $50,000 our, our goal here. Um, so we visited all the, all the checkpoints. Uh, we, we put up a GoFundMe, Um, and then, uh, what was super incredible is like, it, it became a snowball effect with people helping. We were, we just happened to like be able to somewhat centralize it. And it quick, it, like within a couple, within a week or two of us being there, we'd, uh, raised, I think a hundred thousand euros. Um, there was probably 15, uh, 15 people all working out of a co-working space. This a CIC co-working gave us a, a free, a, a very large free office. Cool. And so, um, and so like the, uh, our, our, our new Polish friends and Ukrainian friends, we were just like a central hub or we just helped put a little central hub to get everyone together. Um, and, uh, and then we started buying supplies. So we'd, we'd go to like the big five sports equivalent and we'd buy out all their sleeping bags that they could, uh, they'd have, we'd go, um, to the best buy equivalent and buy a hundred iPhone chargers. Cause when people are coming over the most, the things that number one request, one of the number one th was like an iPhone charge to keep their phones in, mm -hmm. in contact with their families. Um, and, uh, we, we ended up, uh, I, I was there for 45 or 50 days, um, Justin and I, um, are driving ambulances back, uh, <laughs> from Italy. <laughs> yeah. Italy Amy, you're, you're coming as well. It's, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I want to, but, but we've, uh, we've, and we've, we teamed up with, a um, a group called yes theory, which is, uh, they, they believe in this, uh, there it's a YouTube, uh, group. I think they have five or 10 million um, mm -hmm. followers. They, they came out to like, get, get the word out to the, to their followers, um, and that one of the really cool things that they do is they, they're the whole idea behind yes theory is like, you say yes to things that are like their, their tagline is seek discomfort, like do mm -hmm. things that make you uncomfortable. Say yes. When, when someone calls you and says, Hey, um, let's go to Poland tomorrow. Let's go, let's go to Poland tomorrow. Like you, 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 you do it. You, you seek discomfort. Um, 
And so we we teamed up with them. Uh, we've we've since raised or, or passed eight hundred thousand euros uh, by nine thousand individual people, which is like people are donating one euro, five euros, like it. And it, it's it's so it's just incredible. It's um, an army of support. It, it's an army of support. Um, we've delivered right now. We're supporting uh, eight refugee centers. Eight, um, that's awesome. And so refugee center, they're like processing centers where um, they're exactly what it sounds like. We've delivered. I want to say. 80 it's like i want to say 80 tons of supplies so we're, we're, we're at the point where we're buying pallets of uh food sleeping bags baby formula and and uh sending pallets of uh, food and supplies to refugee centers um we what's what's crazy is uh we've had a couple um american uh veterans or or current active duty they're like hey we saw what you're doing can you plug us in and we'll we'll plug them in with the uh ukrainian special forces guys that we're working with or the us special forces guys we're working with um we, we're primarily we're 100% humanitarian like how do we how do we support the ukrainian people and and the refugees uh we're trying to or we've stayed out of the military side of things um but it is it is like it is heartbreaking beyond like words like it's crazy that this is happening um it's it but it, but at the same time it, it's it it feels like this is the first issue in a long time where it's not it's not political and it's not divisive like it's literally the world is coming together to support uh su support ukraine and I, it i don't know it makes you believe in humanity so much more than i i did it's crazy that tragedies make give you further belief in humanity hmm. like i um yeah, and I'm I'm am thankful for our team on the ground there, um, and and it's just and we're just a group of like, call it fifteen to twenty of us that um, that just organic organically assembled to help. And if we, uh, it's it's far and away the most impactful work I've ever done in my life. Like you're you're delivering uh, supplies or, or combat medical equipment for uh, like tourniquets. So if you're shot, you need to uh, cut off your blood flow. And, and we're, we're delivering, we we're taking delivery of $50,000 worth of like tourniquets and, and chest seals for gunshot wounds. Um, and then we, the next day after we deliver it, you're like, you're getting pictures from people that are like, I would not be alive if yeah. I didn't have this equipment and I'm alive today because of you. And, and it's, I've, I've never done any work in my, or been a part of any work in my life where people are that like people are alive today. that wouldn't be alive if you hadn't said, yes, I'm going to go help. Mm. Like, um, and it, it puts everything into perspective, like businesses, business and startups are dumb compared to that. Like, mm. um, well, the time response too. like, uh, I think in one of the articles I read about what y'all have done, they called it a fast response nonprofit, which mm. is, yep. which is so interesting. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I just related it to kind of how fight for the forgotten started up where I just went and I wasn't with an organization. I just went and saw, and what you said, seeing it with your own eyes for me it was needing to when i went the first time for a month second time for a month third time for a year um i had four simple goals it was the first two trips it was live with them listen to them learn from them so that way we can tangibly love them in the way that they need want desire totally. invite all that stuff but when you read a statistic you can forget about it when you hear a statistic it can go in one ear and out the other maybe maybe it maybe it hits you hard where you're like i'm going to go tomorrow but oftentimes it doesn't and and or it has a chance where it won't stick 
but being able to see it with your own eyes, that changes you. And then being able to become part of the solution or helping in whatever way humanly possible, a little bit here, a lot of it there. And having those moments where people say, because, because of the support, like it changed my life. It saved my life. It helped me. You're, you're backing, just knowing that like the work you're doing is it's not just headed in the right direction. It's, it's not shotgunned out. Yep. It's like bullseye, you know, this was what was needed and, and we got to deliver. And what that does is it adds more fuel to the fire to keep going. And I think just speaking from the support side of it, a $50,000 goal to a hundred thousand euros to over 800,000 from, from 9,000 people. I mean, that, that snowball effect it's inviting others who can't buy a ticket tomorrow. Totally. It's saying, hey, here is a way that that you can actually help, whether it's one euro, five euros, five hundred. Um, do what you can and we're we're gonna we're gonna put it to use. Yeah, the um so one and this is this is a free idea for um for anyone that I would love for someone to take that that we're probably that I wanna do is I after this is like I, I haven't been that philanthropic in my life. I, I wouldn't, uh, like, I feel like I've, I, I need to give back more than I, I have. Uh, and this is the first, this is the first major thing that I've been a part of that is like the most, it's so meaningful. It's, it's meaningful. It's like, I've, it's, um, I'm passionate. It makes me realize how passionate I am about, about trying to help, um, where I can. But w one of the things that I, we're going to do now is start a formal, like fast response nonprofit. So I want I want to take like a hundred of our close friends, like our network, um, uh, create a nonprofit that uh, and part of uh, part of what we did. It's called Team Ukraine Love. Is what what the it's teamukrainelove.com uh, for for that's that's the organization we created. Um, one of the cool things we want to do is like absolute radical transparency on a hundred percent of donations go to help. So like wow. everyone, everyone there pays for their own tickets, pays for, for gas, pays for their own hotel rooms. So a hundred percent of the eight, 800 or 850,000 euros that we've raised goes directly uh, with radical transparency. So it's like, you can see these pallets of food that your hundred dollar donation um, made. So I want to, we're going to create a nonprofit that is built for a hundred percent transparency on donations going so it doesn't cover any overhead and then we uh, have like a fast response for any crisis or tragedy it could be earthquakes natural disasters war where you blast out our members and maybe we have a thousand members or 500 members or, or or 50 members so we blast out and say hey justin um the, a tsunami and uh just hit southeast asia uh, we're getting a team there. We're leaving tomorrow. Do you want to come? And so of the hundred people we email, maybe 10 of them can go. And then that's the core team that assembles like the fundraising efforts, the helping efforts. And I, I think, I think there's an opportunity for a really cool type of nonprofit where it's like, you're, you're actually getting your hands dirty, helping out immediately. Like there, it's not, it's not, do you donate to UNICEF and you never, or Red Cross and you don't ever see it again. It's like, you see it directly impact immediately um and uh so if anyone's listening that wants to start that uh like either start it or, or join us as we're starting it because we're, we're i would love to build a network of like very fast acting first responders that um that that can help immediately when 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 
crazy stuff in the world happens. Yeah, I've had incidents where I just didn't know what to do and didn't sure. have anywhere to turn, like when there was the big hurricane or you know whatever T it was, totally. even just down in Houston. And so um, we had that pulled up on the screen, but that's just at teamukrainelove.com or yep. how can they reach out if yes. they want yep. to get involved? Uh, so teamukrainelove.com. Um, and that, that has our GoFundMe, but, uh, also if anyone wants to like get on the ground, we'll connect you with the team there. Like we, yeah. uh, we've said that like, if we need all the, um, smart, hardworking people we can get, like email, email me, um, uh, find me on Instagram, uh, or email me at aj at one dot fish. There's no dot com or anything. Um, and, and I'll connect you with the team to help out. Like we've, uh, we've put out posts and uh, we've had like U.S. military veterans being like, I want to uh, I put out a next door in Valente, Texas, being like, hey, guys, we're on the ground here in Poland. Uh, here's what we're doing. And um, there's a guy that reached out, uh, he, former Green Beret. And he's like, I want to get connected and help where I can. He flew to Europe and he's in Ukraine training uh, Ukrainians right now. And like, <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Next door. Yeah. You know what? Can I ask another question? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, I was curious about your feelings about social media because one of the things was, you know, you're looking at radical transparency through social media and it's been such a big part of this, but it gets such a bad rap so many times, all the time, really, where people are down on social media, but it can help so much in instances totally. of revolution like we saw in Egypt a few years back and then... And then in a situation like this, so I was just wondering, like, do you have mixed emotions about social media? Or are you just really grateful for it? Like, oh, can you uh, speak uh, to that? I, uh, I'm incredibly grateful for it. Like, this is the first time where, this is the first war where it is so widely, um, it's like the every person with a cell phone is a reporter now. So like big, large corporations don't control how news is getting out there. Uh, every, everyone can be their own journalist and, and post content. So I, I love it because it holds, it, it, brings a level of like accountability and transparency to governments and shows, no, this is actually what's, this is actually what's happening. You're, you're, it's not just, um, it's not just propaganda controlled by five major news corporations in the world. Um, one thing that I, I have noticed is it, um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's amazing how like soft Americans are actually though, uh, where we don't, we actually aren't, I don't think we're showing enough, like what's actually really happening on, on like people being families being murdered mm. and, uh, and executed, executed killings in the streets. Like in Europe, they, they show, they actually show bodies and what's actually happening. And it feels like the, um, America at least in particular is like very soft for that. Like with putting view, all these viewer discretions and not, uh, not necessarily showing, um, what's happening. I think, I think you need to actually sh like, this is the realities of life. Like you need to actually show the gnarly stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wish, uh, I feel like we're social media is helping get that narrative out where the news news people are failing. Yeah. I was trying to see if you could pull that up on your computer. We are soft. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to see if you pull and that up on your computer. we could see more. Yes, I can. Okay. Yes, I can. So. And yeah. Uh, so on that, um, there we go. I mean, this for people that are watching on YouTube, if, if you're listening, um, you can find this, it's at least on Reddit, but, uh, it's a map of, of all the places that, that Ukraine has taking, taking bombs in every place it's been attacked and, and where Russia is taking over territory. And Russia's the red ground. creeping in, right? Yeah. The red that's creeping in. 
and it just keeps coming. And, and this doesn't have the last three Where's or four Poland weeks. Where's Poland on this map? Uh, Poland's to the left. And so it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of attacks. And I think it's... Anyways, yeah. this this to me was was sobering, seeing it all over the nation. Not, not on one border, but striking everywhere as they're infiltrating and, it's and taking new ground. And you've actually been there. So this, this hits home in a, a different way. Like, I don't know the people there. I haven't seen their faces. I haven't yep. seen them waiting to flee out of the country and being stopped for 40 hours on the border, trying to escape that. It's, it's craziness. Um, and to your point about it being soft here, like there's been a few times and and when you talk about seeing the bodies and stuff like that, um, a few weeks ago, I was sent, Amy knows I was sent pictures of, uh, one of the first villages I'd, I'd stayed in and I knew a lot of these people and something like 46, I think were, were slaughtered and, and killed with machetes and shot. And you see people I know with machetes to the face or, or their guts literally pouring out and children, um, that are, I mean, at least 10 children that are under the age of like five years old that are like naked babies that were hacked up. And, um, I'm trying to like stay here now instead of going back there because like, it's, um, it's really, 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 really hard. It's a really tough pill to swallow knowing that that is what they face. You know, and this is what people in in the Ukraine. Um, but we're sheltered even what, from what we face, right? Like, yeah. if we saw actual pictures of Rob Elementary's interior with dead mm. fifth graders and fourth graders, there would probably be action taken pretty fast. I mean, I'm sure there'd be a lot of criticism. Like, I, I, just I agree show with that. that. Yeah, I like 100 percent agree with that. Like, uh, you got to face the realities, and and we. Like maybe myself included, like we live in, we're, we're incredibly fortunate, but we live in an incredibly sheltered life on not facing the realities of what are happening, what, what travesties are happening globally. Yeah. Well, you're so right about that point, Amy and, and AJ too. And, um, and now I'm not saying that those people need to see it to make change or anything, but it's just, no, you're right. You're right though. Cause I mean, I, I, I've spoken at things. I remember I was in I was in Oklahoma, and I was speaking at this country western concert with like a uh, some great artists and things, and they were going to support two causes, and one one was a military cause, which I actually love the founder of that nonprofit, and he spoke first, and they had me come speak uh, second, and. I went up there and I spoke and it was about the water crisis and introducing people to that and had some slides and I was showing some of my pygmy family up there and everything. There's a lot of people that gave that night, which was incredible. But when I got off the stage and I was walking away, I was stopped by these, this group of like four women, one man, and they were just like cussing at me and uh, saying, why are you going over there to, to help? They're not they're not Americans. And they're like, literally I had beer being spit on me while they're like yelling at me and stuff. And they're like, I'm like, cause I know them because like, that's, I've seen it. And they're like, well, you should be helping here in your own neighborhood, your own country, your own community, all this stuff. And I was like, Hey, I agree. I try to do something here at the time. I was volunteering weekly at like, like an inner city youth group and stuff. And I'm like, I try to volunteer here weekly and somewhere in the States, 
uh, every month if I can. And I go there every year overseas, but we have people on the ground. They're doing stuff every single day. Um, there's but, a fundamental fallacy in that too, that you can't do both. Like people yeah. like to be like, think well, it's one I, or the other. <laughs> I, I remember I told him, I go, why can't, why can't we help here, there and everywhere that, that needs, cause the whole world, every dark nook and cranny, like needs a lot of light and a lot of love. And so wherever you feel led, wherever you feel called, whoever it is that you're, that's put, whether it's right in front of you yep. or you're compelled to travel halfway across the world like you did, like just do that. Follow those instincts, follow yep. that intuition to give back, to get outside yourself, to um, find your specific way to put love and compassion in action. I think that's what we're here to do. I, I, I completely agree. And I, I mean, to your point on, um, like, because you know them, you know, it's real. You've seen it. Um, when, when, when I got back and I've, I've been to Poland three times now, when I got back, my, uh, my brother Chip was like, why, why, what are you doing? Like, why, why do you even care about this? And, um, and I was, and what's amazing is I care a, a heck of a lot more now because I've, because I'm working alongside my, my new lifelong Ukrainian friends on like, how do we make a tiny little dent in, in what's happening? Um, and be, because I, I now know, I now have 40, 40 or 50 new people that are in my life that, um, that are helping out that, that have fleed Ukraine and are helping trying to get supplies to their families, to their friends. And then like, I'm just a, I'm now connected into it. Like I, uh, um, I think it's super important to get involved any, any way you, any way you can. And, and, um, not, not, not just with Ukraine, but like any helping any, any person. You yeah. Can. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, when, when, Ebola happened. I was there um, in Africa, and uh, it's happened a bunch. But it um, it was discovered on the Ebola River in, in Congo uh, back in the eighties, nineties, or something. And um, he was living there. Everything started shutting down and other things. But I remember coming back and hearing about it. And I was just like, oh my gosh! If the world just knew about the water crisis like they knew about Ebola, yep. I don't think there would be a water crisis anymore. Totally. Um, but because people were scared it was going to affect them. You know, talking about the sheltered part um, or COVID, the whole world had everybody knows the word COVID, but not everyone. I didn't know until I saw people dying of the water crisis. I didn't really know 3.4 million people a year die of dirty water. Two million are kids under the age of five years old. That's crazy. And um, so having that, you know, experience where holding a kid or burying him like that changed everything for me to where it's like, that's a huge passion of mine. You seeing them, um, and seeing the lines and seeing them stand out and freeze and all that stuff. So I guess, um, just because we're, we're, we're kind of coming up on time. What, what do you think? Um, I mean, an easy low hanging fruit is people can join y'all. They can, they can yep. help and support you. Do you see, I mean, I know you're not the expert, but do you see this going anywhere, anywhere soon? I mean, like ending or, or do you think this is going on for years? I hope that, um, I hope that Putin is getting the info, the like raw 
information that says it's not going well. Like I hope, I hope his advisors are not pandering to him saying, Hey, we're going to win this. We're steamrolling it. But like, cause, cause a lot of Ukrainians actually are, are, have the resolve to win this. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're convinced that they're going to, they're going to win this. Um, which is awesome. So I, I hope that Putin has good information that and and finds a uh, a compromise that doesn't result in uh, tens of thousands of more people on both sides dying. Um, and and it could be like redraw, redrawing borders if uh, Zelensky would uh, do that. It could be like I, I hope that there's a tactful way for both sides to not feel like they have a bunch of mud on their face. Um, but but wars take a long time. Like I don't I don't know. I I, I hope it. Of course, every, everyone hopes it ends sooner than later. Um, but I hope that I I just I, I hope that there's a compromise that uh, that puts puts a end a, an end sooner than later. But I'd have no idea what that is. Like I. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's hard to think. You know, like just being a fighter and knowing the feelings that can happen after a fight um you know normally it's but this isn't war and this isn't people dying you know or normally after a fight you come together even stronger than than before you know that person unlike you know anyone totally. else um so i'm optimistic that hopefully there's something that can happen but man the loss of life and it's a it's a really tough situation and what what do you hope your team can accomplish i think one of the beautiful things is the support you're giving to people right away and then what's being birthed out of it a nonprofit. it reminded me of a, a nonprofit. there's a thing called team rubicon yeah yeah of course you know them yeah yeah i've seen some of them in action and military veterans that get out I mean, it's and then, just a bunch of badass badass people coming together to help yep. like, and they then they become first responders and and go right away and they've had this training to be able to do that i think what What's really cool about you is you're creating that network that, you know, the 10 of the hundred can respond and then take it on as their own and then open it up for yep. another 10,000 people to come and, and support. I think that's, what's been so cool about fight for the forgotten too, is we've had tens of thousands of donors from all 50 States from 60, so cool. 60 different countries. And then I get to meet people at the airport or wherever and be like, Hey, we, we were part of this. We did that. That's and so it's cool. like, and y'all you, you have, y'all have started that. It's a movement. It's a movement of team Ukraine love. And that's beautiful, man. I'm uh, I'm really grateful you were here, man. Dude, this was awesome. I have a question yeah. before. Absolutely. We um, toward the beginning, you said you haven't achieved success. So what would achieving success look like for you? Mm. What does success look like for you? I, another super cliche thing. It's it's for sure like right now I'm optimizing for like joy and happiness and surrounding myself with amazing people. So that's I think that's number one. Uh, number two is like I only want to work on projects that I'm highly passionate about and and fired up in the morning. Um, there is like I I do want to I do want to make enough generate enough wealth. Um, that I that I don't ever have that I, that money becomes a tool, um, like a tool to either help people build cool stuff, uh, seed fund my friends, companies, uh, just invest in cool stuff. Um, and then building, build it. Like I, I would say 
immediate success in the next five five to ten years is like how to, with the chi- with the chicken coop business, which is I I smile every time I think about it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's like how how do we how do we bring like uh, urban farming to millions of people around the world to like control their own food su- food supply and build the world's largest decentralized food production system? Uh, I think that would be really cool. Um, and 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 it goes back to number one, which is have have fun while you're doing it. Yeah, I mean you're halfway. There by those measures. Yeah, I, I do. I, I I do have a lot of fun. This is I had fun this morning. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of fun. And then uh, I think this is gonna, yeah, this is gonna help some people, man. To to see attaching, to have fun while you're doing it, but to attach it to purpose. And when those moments come, going back to the yes theory, but how you did it yourself. When those moments come, am I going to say yes or no? And, and that that for me was what got me to Africa and with the pygmy people was I had this vision. I didn't know what to do with it. I gave it to a friend. He said, I know who they are and I'm going in three and a half weeks and you're going to come with me. And then he said, but it's a war zone and people are being killed, even decapitated in the streets. And that's, that's so where wild. we're going. And I was like, oh, I don't, uh, maybe we can go later. You know, he's like, no, we're, we're supposed to go now. And him and his wife, who was pregnant, said, and he was going to cancel his trip until I came along. And then uh, they said, you'll always, I was like, what if I don't go? And they go, you'll always wonder what if. What could have. That gives me the chills. Yeah. That's... What could have, what would have, what should have happened. And they're like, we don't want to live with those. This couple said, we don't want to live with those questions whenever we're 60, 70, 80, if we get there. You know, what would have happened if I took that one trip that one time? You know, what wouldn't have happened, AJ, if you guys didn't go? If you didn't set a $50,000 goal? If you didn't think, if if Max didn't have the experience from doing it in Nepal before? You know, if he didn't do it in Nepal, this wouldn't be happening now, maybe. But then also, like, y'all wouldn't have created an opportunity for 9,000 people to get involved and say, we're going to do something. If you wouldn't have gone, if you wouldn't have said yes, you know? So I'm proud of you, man. I'm grateful for you. It's a good thing. I'm, I'm grateful you know? for every, everyone that, I've, yeah, of course. Like, that, that has helped out, for sure. Yeah, it took 9,000 people I'm, to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a tiny little cog. Exactly. Yeah. And I know that that that's your heart. But... I think it's an example on the show of what you, Max, all the team, the main team of 10 or 15 people and the 9,000 supporters, like it took, it takes a tribe. It takes a village. It takes people from all across the nation or the world. Totally. The many nations um, to, to come together and say, we're going to do something. Team Ukraine love.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a donate button right there at the top. So you can go straight to the GoFundMe. That's called Immediate Aid to Refugees Fleeing Ukraine. And uh, you got donations coming in right now. There's one from an hour ago, 57 <laughs> a, minutes ago. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so awesome. it's, it's action oriented to you know where it's going to go right away. Well, uh, one, of, one of my buddies uh, drank too much wine. Uh, and he was like, "Hey, I just donated fifty thousand euros." Yes, <laughs> and I was like, "That is amazing." You should that have another is amazing. glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, have another have one with you. Yeah, that's so good. Well, AJ, thank you. Is there anything else that that you want to share, or anywhere where people can follow, find you? I know you shared your email. Uh, yeah, just, just in, in Instagram and email. Okay, 
We'll put it all in the show notes too. It'll all be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. For all y'all out there, you, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. So rise up, overcome. Thanks, brother. Hey, I have an idea. I have an idea. What if we, since we have to do an intro and we only have like a few minutes to do it, like 10 minutes, could we just do it and AJ be here real quick? Yeah, of course. We do it with I, AJ? I mean, yeah, we've got 10 minutes left. Got 10 minutes, so we'll do like a five minute intro. That's cool, right, Grant? Okay. Can you, uh, can yeah, you join it. me on this intro? I've never had a guest join on the intro, but yeah, I why, thought we why would. Why not? Who cares? Why not? Yeah. Do you still have cauliflower ear? Yeah. Do, do I've these hurt you? Numerous times. Do these hurt yeah. you a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Can you wear AirPods? No. I can only wear an AirPod. The in new one of my design. Ears. The new design. He can wear a little bit. The AirPod Pros. Yeah. The, with the soft I have to stuff them in there, and then uh, if I shake my head, they'll fall out. Yeah, I can only wear mine in my left left yeah. ear. My left one's been closed up completely twice. <laughs> Are we rolling? This is the intro. We, cauliflower ear, yes. We, <laughs> AJ and I both can only wear AirPods in one ear. My yeah. right eye, ear, your... Left ear. Left oh, ear. y'all could buy a pair and share. Oh, uh, you want to do that? <laughs> That'd be awesome. We'd be great on planes together. Uh, yeah, so... AJ, thank you for being here, man. This is the intro, but man, what a podcast. Thank you for being here. This this, this was awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. What did we what did we cover? I mean, how we wrestled together we growing covered, up. Yes, your wrestling um, background. We covered his business businesses, background and then it fed right into how he's helping in started Ukraine. this incredible Team um, Ukraine Love Is it a nonprofit officially? It, it's, it's not, not really. officially a nonprofit. It's take, more it's, of a we're, we're in the process of aid effort. Exactly. Yeah. An immediate aid effort. They've had over nine thousand people support all I'm across about, the world. I'm about to try to donate. Actually. Go do it, I, Amy. I, while I we're on the intro, the, go donate. Log into my GoFundMe. Though, but I'm trying. Over nine thousand people donating over eight hundred thousand euro. Mm-hmm. Which at first I was saying dollars, but yes, euro. It, it is crazy, and uh, that's that's awesome, man. I love it. Some of the key takeaways I got were just say yes, and like if a friend calls you and says I'm 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 compelled to do something, I've been crying about hearing the news, and this is in day two of the war starting. That night, you bought a ticket to go to Poland the next day, and because of that. Max, you, so many others, and the 9,000 people to support it, you guys have been able to do some incredible things, supporting over eight eight refugee centers, sending three ambulances. I might be going with you to drive. (laughs) They're really great pictures of everything on their website. Yeah. 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 We might be driving ambulances, you for sure, driving ambulances to Ukraine. Wow. But I think this is a really interesting episode, uh, whether you're in business, you want to become an entrepreneur, you're thinking about uh, getting out of your lane of what is comfortable and going and pursuing an adventure that you feel called to. Um, this episode will encourage you uh, to, to start to either start small or to go all in, to take a leap and to of get, faith. To get ideas on yeah. how you can help people around the world mm-hmm. and not feel discouraged by you know, a problem that seems too big. Yeah. Whether it's an actual war or whether it's bringing food to people's backyards through mm-hmm. coop.farm, <laughs> uh, AJ's newest business venture. That's going to be incredibly successful and you can live stream, see your chickens, uh, as AJ was showing me on Saturday night before we did this podcast. AJ, thank you for being here. This, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. What was, uh, 
I mean, you've done other podcasts before, but what was a, what was a moment for you a takeaway? Um, th- this is for sure more down to earth and raw than most. Like cool. you're, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a big lover at heart. You're a fighter yeah. at heart. Um, but the, the, I, I think we covered a lot of deep stuff that, uh, isn't just surface levels. And this was, this was great. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, even you set up, you queued up, a. a me to go into some, some moments of deep trauma, um, and things I've had to do for ther- therapy and a great book you've started that now, since I told you about it, I'm going to start it too. We're going to have the author on hopefully, uh, from the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, how about you? What? Anything that we should tell in the intro before we get started? I think we did. I think we covered it all. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's great. really inspiring. And thank you, AJ, so much for your sharing today. I, yep. I really enjoyed it very yep. much. And AJ, so. I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for your brother, Chip. I'm grateful for Mama Bear and Papa Bear. Forsyth, uh, this just, yeah, I love you, man. Thank you for being here. Love you too, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.